Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Monday, November 20th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? And I got one thing. Okay, there we go. Somehow, and I hate Google. I'm Google Chrome, right? And no, I'm working off of a Mac. And. You hit one thing on the mouse the wrong way, and all of a sudden it's like extreme close-up on the uh, video. But anyway, it's been a while uh, here. Uh, I did one program last week where you know, uh, everyone who knows who knows what they're, and if you've been a listener or a viewer, you know what we're going through here. We are, you know, it sucks. It's, uh, death of a parent uh, always sucks. But it's something that we all have to go through, I guess. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. What I'm going to uh, su- uh, make a suggestion to everybody here is you plan everything out. Right, with my mother, we had everything pretty much planned out uh, I with this. And it makes things a lot easier. But again, you can never get over that shock of this happening uh, with this. But yeah, I'm doing fine. I got a lot of concerns, a lot of emails. Hey, Jim, where have you been? Well, that's where I've been. We've just been dealing with family stuff. Anyway, I want to belabor. Said some pretty controversial things last program. I did not release it on a podcast because I think I could have said things a little bit better than what I did out there. Uh... So here we have, uh, let me revisit some things. I'm going to come right out of the gate with the controversial things. Here we have, uh, and this is from last week, but I'm going to comment on it because this is going to be one of those things that keeps on reoccurring. Uh, here I have, and this is from a couple of weeks ago, second teacher at Missouri school on leave over OnlyFans side hustle. Uh, it's working out okay so far. Quote, Missouri high school English teacher, and I'm not going to mention her name, said school administrators found out about her OnlyFans account and placed her on leave. 
A second teacher at a high school in Missouri was put on leave after administrators discovered her OnlyFans side hustle. The teacher, 31, said during an interview with a newspaper that she was placed on leave from her English teaching and varsity cheerleading coach position in October after district officials found out about her account on OnlyFans. The teacher said in the interview that she made an account on the direct-to-subscriber's website because she has over $125,000 in student loans and needed extra income. Teaching does not financially support a person, the teacher said. It's really hard to stretch those paychecks during the summer. That's why I did it. According to the report, the... Pay, which includes a stipend for coaching the students' cheerleading squad, was roughly $47,500. The teacher said she initially took down her OnlyFans account around the same time that fellow English teacher at the same school was placed on leave over her participation in the selling explicit content. Weeks later, the... The second teacher was added for her racing side hustle. According to some of the uh, things, uh, some of the uh, coverage here, uh, the person, uh, so she was reported after someone recognized her clothing here. Uh, But, you know, it's, first of all, uh, the obvious, uh, in this town in Missouri, they're looking for English teachers, number one. That's the obvious, number one. Number two, the morality of it. Obviously, there's a moral issue here. No doubt about it, right? I wouldn't want my uh, anyone in my family doing this, right? I wouldn't want anyone that I know doing this. Hopefully, they find better side hustles than this one. All right, enough said. But let's point out something here. Oh, the morality. I, I hear them from the morality police again and again and again. I was just discussing this with a friend of mine this evening, a very close and dear friend of mine, uh, who, no, uh, no, the morality police are getting a little bit tired of that. Because they keep on going back to the same issues and they don't bring about an like resolve these issues, but they always have something to run on. They always have something to say. Well, let's add something to this. How many deaths are there a year in work? About 5,000, give or take, some years lower, some years higher. How about how many workplace injuries? About 2.8 million workplace injuries, non-fatal roughly. Give or take, different statistics, different area. Okay, I get it. Okay? We have, and and these teachers are being encouraged, or other women, not only teachers, mostly women, going into sites like this. Okay, great. Well, there are other things we hear. There are other things. They could go in and learn a trade. They don't have to generate all the student debt. They could go into a trade. They could go into construction. Oh, okay. They could go into this. They could go into that. All right. As if, and the uh, implication is, that's a much safer occupation. The average construction worker makes like 40 grand on average. 
We're not talking company owner. We're not talking necessarily union. Unions obviously make more than non-union, all that stuff. Okay, but it's roughly about 40 grand. It's not what uh, uh, they're making here, which is like uh, an excess of $100,000. Some of them close to a million dollars a month or more. All right, okay. We also know that during the actors strike that the people who do this type of acting don't often don't make a lot of money anyway, less than 26,000. So okay, great. Now let's look at the other side of the equation here. All right. This is maybe what I wasn't clear about. What about the morality of sending people into and selling them on a trade where 800 and some people a year die from falls? Is that moral? For, a lot, for not a lot of money. Is that moral? How about 2.8 million uh, no, uh, fatal, uh, non-fatal fatal thing into the workplace? Is that, is that okay? Are we okay with that? Where's your moral outrage on that one? Where's your moral outrage on the long-term effects of this stuff? All right. So here we have... And it's an older article, but uh, it's from Australia. And this is from uh, one is they don't really give a date on this report here. Let me see. And I imagine it's the same, uh, the same things. And this is from a couple years back, but I'm sure that the numbers hold. At least the accident rate holds. Analysis of per, uh, right, persons uh, 18 years of old, right? Prevalence of modified lifestyle risk factors among industries. All right, and this is by percentage. 24% of construction workers in Australia, a couple years back, 2014, 24% smokers. 53% inadequate food, right, and vegetable intake. Physical activity, 58%. Uh, not getting enough accidents. All right, uh, enough exercise, right? That's construction worker. So here we have an increased thing, right? Is that an outrage there, construction workers? Here we have one from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Here we have construction. Number of non-fatal of uh, work injuries in construction, 2021, 986. Were you okay with that? Overwhelming majority of falls. How about transportation? A little bit better, maybe. 976, transportation and warehousing. Right? How about healthcare and social assistance? That's been in the news. 137. Wow. Are they, uh, are they okay with that? Are we all okay with that? How about number of non-fatal work injuries and illnesses in selected private industries of Euro labor statistics? Right, uh, 2021. Number of injuries, highest injury rate, healthcare and social assistance. More injuries than that, right? Uh, 169,000 illnesses, 453,000 injuries, right? So how much more? Uh, it's considerably more than construction. Retail trade, 
were injuries and illnesses in construction, manufacturing, were injuries and illnesses in construction, transportation and warehousing, were injuries and illnesses, accommodation and food service. Right? We're not outraged about that. We're outraged about OnlyFans. Here we have people literally, and this is everybody, by the way, when we add this all together, going in here and getting hurt at work. That's okay for less money. That's okay. There's no outrage on that. Should we be outraged on OnlyFans? Yeah, of course. Okay. You have these teachers teaching kids. Okay. Problem here. Prob- I get it. I got it all. I know the morality police here. And I know that people are all shocked. They're not shocked on workplace fatalities? Really? What else do we have here? Let's go a little bit more. Here we have from Montana Asthma Control Program, and this is from February 2018. Preventing chronic diseases among employed adults. I I haven't been able to find anything more modern, more updated, but I'm going with it. Here we have Asia said, uh, percent of employed Montana adults who have at least one chronic disease. Office and administrative support, 51.4% have a chronic illness. Sales and, uh, uh, and related, 50.5%. Service industry, 53 All right, going down, construction, 39.8%, and it goes all the way down, and... Farming and fishing, forestry, 35.7%. Okay, chronic illnesses. Average number of poor physical or mental health days the last 30 days among employed Montana adults with at least one uh, chronic disease. Again, who tops it out? Transportation and materials. Construction is... uh, somewhere in the middle and then sales and related down there. Okay, now... What are those illnesses? Are we okay with this? Uh, age, address, I guess this is percentage. Let me do, do, do. Age, address, the prevalence of selected chronic illnesses among employed Montana adults by occupational disease. Okay, and all right. So here we have Office and administrative uh, staff support. 22.4% higher rates of depressive disorders than the regular population. Service industry, 21.8 above the uh, uh, average of Montana. Uh, Construction workers, believe it or not, chronic respiratory conditions Uh, 10.1% lower than state prevalence, whatever that is, and going on. I mean, there's a lot of data on there as to the illnesses and everything. Well, now we're going into the workforce. What, I mean, what are we sending thing? What message are we sending? I think this is similar to what we have to deal with in the safety industry that we're out there, right? Where... They say, we're, and I go into the often, often at a facility I used to work at, where somebody gets hurt on a file cabinet, right? And they get a laceration requiring stitches. Feel bad for the guy, right? So now 
what the what's the focus? The focus is on hand injuries. Okay, this is a big industrial environment. Oil oil refining, huge one, multiple exposures, like you wouldn't believe. Some with leading indicators, some lagging indicators, some predictable, some not predictable, what have you. All this stuff. All right. What are we focused on? We're focused on hand injuries. And we're going to be focusing on that hand injury. And we got to go out there and blah, blah, blah. That doesn't relate to anything else going on there. A guy uh, reaching into a file cabinet, not watching where his hands are. Uh, much, uh, this was like uh, uh, another contractor. And then we hear, well, all the contractors, you're doing a bad job. We have to have that uh, uh, that green and white sign. It's got to be zero. Oh, and our total recordable rate's got to be 0. 0.5 or 0. 0.2 and blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, they're complete failures or we're bad people. And then we're focusing on that, hand injuries, while everything else is going on. And then someone gets hurt over here. Oh, now our focus is all of this stuff here. Blah, blah, blah. And they don't go and they don't see the big picture on anything. They think that they're going to be able to predict accidents and incidents and everything else based on subjective data and near miss reporting. But that's a discussion we've had before and on another day. But spare me the false moral outrage with all the other stuff going on out there. Right? And, and no, just nothing pisses me off more than false moral outrage. And I'm sure people from uh, my class reunion are going to be talking about this tomorrow at our alumni event. We use it as a class reunion, basically. Here we have another one. Nurse fatigue creates a dangerous environment. And we just mentioned that, you know, healthcare, a lot of injuries in that. Nurses work long hours and play a critical role in keeping patients healthy. This is from NSO. What is NSO? Nurses Service Organization. Uh, Some type of trade group. I'm not sure if it's a union or union affiliated or anything like that. All right. Nursing fatigue costs the U.S. billions of dollars each year. Mental exhaustion can lead to mistakes. And when those mistakes affect the health and well-being of patients, the consequences can be devastating. Imagine a tired nurse misinterpreting a healthcare provider's orders to continue medications, causing a diabetic patient to miss their insulin. And going on and on and on. And... This was in the news uh, last week. There's some uh, uh, strikes going on, and this is one of them. And there's apparently a huge nursing shortage. I'll do the cap. I got numerous articles there. There's a huge nursing shortage because of the pandemic, right, and everything else. They don't have enough nurses, so nurses have been leaving. So what have they been doing, a lot of these facilities? They're going out there, and they're saying, we're not going to hire any more people. We're just going to work overtime. Oh, really? That's a wonderful solution. Maybe you're forced to do it. Well, let's face what the long-term solution, what the long-term problems of this are with the nurses. Could be your thing. Okay, we're talking dangerous to the patient. I tell you what, when my parents are in the hospital, the times, especially my father, you know how many medical mistakes he found with the damn medications? 
my mother, the last time that she was in the hospital, she signed herself out because of the medications. So I went through in disaster preparation month that I had, and I recommend everybody do this, I had my mother's medication list with all of her doctors, all the dosages, all the times a day, and I had it in order, and I had this going, and I had it all. Everything that you needed to do this, I spoke to her caregivers, I spoke to everybody else, everything worked out great, okay? My mother gets uh, 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 admitted into the hospital, I'm not gonna mention the one, but it is in Middlesex County, New Jersey. We'll leave it at that. There's several in there. All right. And we go in. And my brother, God bless him, he says, here is her medication list. This is the current list. Here's what the medications are, the dosages, number of times per day. Uh, the vitamins that she's on, she had to be on several vitamins because of the medications, that sort of thing, because she, you know. Uh, also, these are her doctors. These are the reasons why she's on this medication. And to make it even nicer, I listed them two ways. For my mother, when to take the medications, we had all those little trays, things, little tabs where we put them in. And on what I also found out how the doctors have to input it and nurses have to input it into the computer. So I had it listed that way too. So what what do you think the list was that they went off of? Not the one that I just updated. Not the one that was from the last time she went into the hospital over a year before that. Oh, was that a result of fatigue? I don't know. Uh, what I do know is, is the nurses are out on strike there and this was about three weeks before they walked out and there were labor issues and they had to bring in supply nurses. Was it because of fatigue or not? I don't know. So uh, back to what the other point. They're, rather than hiring new people, right? They're, hi- they're putting people on overtime and getting per diem nurses. Well, what don't you have to do? You don't have to pay for benefits. Oh, you didn't know that. You didn't have to pay for benefits. You have fewer people, less HR issues. Apparently, in the short term at least, it's cheaper to hire, to put people on overtime than hire someone else and have enough of a supply. Then they, uh, with hellish conditions here, Again, it's not the nurse's fault. These were nurses are working. I have a, a, a couple of nurses in my family. They're working 60, 70 hours a week, six, seven days a week. What do you think is going to happen? You know, why isn't anybody shocked about that? Nobody's shocked about it. They're worried about OnlyFans. They're worried about the election, right? Another distraction. A freaking year and a half out from an election, they and they were going on all this other stuff is going on. They're you know oh what the election, red man bad, blue man good, right that sort of thing. I mean, we're being distracted and we're being played here by everybody. Okay. Du-du-du. What do we got here? Let's go. I'm gonna. Take a chill pill. We're going to go to commercial break. Hold on. Right here. 
In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. And I'm just checking out the streamers here, if you hear that on the background. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com this is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Human error is normal. Human error is normal. What is the safety war? It is the battle against everything that threatens our community our workplaces, and our well-being. Here are some of the comments I get. Jim, it sounds conspiratorial. Well, maybe we should have a conspiracy to work safe. How does that sound? Jim, it sounds like some kind of sci-fi fantasy. Well, maybe the ways we mitigate hazards, the plans and the goals we all have are all fantasies and not based in reality. One thing is for sure, what we are doing ain't working. We have over 5,000 people dying a year in the workplace and another 2.5 million workplace injuries. Maybe business as usual isn't getting us to where we need to be. What is our purpose? To empower you, to support you, to challenge safety culture and business as usual. Why? Safe workplaces have leaders with confidence, motivation, and the grit to make the workplace safer. Those workplaces are positive, productive, and better places to work overall. So, are you with us? Together, we can make your workplace safer. We are looking to promote a new batch of safety leaders and cause a safety revolution. Join us at safetywars.com and safetyfm as we fight the safety war. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. That was episode one, believe it or not. That was the trailer there. Did pretty good on that. I'm surprised. I would, I'm probably going to have to change that a little bit. Uh, if I do say, you know. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for uh, bearing with us here. And uh, everything else, I get a lot of good comments. I get a lot of good feedback. Sometimes it's not so good feedback. Uh, you just uh, got to let it roll off your back. 
uh, here. So, uh, OSHA, I, I don't know what it is here. I, since we've been really getting a lot of steam here and listenership and viewership and everything, uh, they're coming out with fewer and fewer press releases on their website. It's just one of those things. Uh, I hope that's, I don't know. I hope nobody's sick or anyway. Uh, U.S. And I'm going to preface this by saying everyone is innocent until proven guilty. A lot of this stuff is vacated, uh, litigated, uh, abandoned, what have you, uh, negotiated downwards. So, uh, again, when we go into these stories, I try not to, uh, no, I slip. I mention names. And so, um, no, my intention is not to, uh, no, say anything against any companies here. U.S. Department of Labor finds an El Paso machine shop manufacturer willfully exposed employees to dozens of workplace safety hazards. Uh, a certain company fined more than $5,596,000 for 58 violations, including three willful. I'm not going to go through all 58 violations, but let's see what the highlights are. One, not installing lockout or tagout systems to prevent machines from sudden startups or movement. Failing to train employees on energy control procedures. Three, storing materials improperly and allowing blocked passageways. Four, not removing unsafe hits, powered industrial trucks from service. Five, failing to enclose vertical and or inclined belts and gears for the required guards. Cats upset back there. Uh, whatever number we're on. Allowing serious electrical hazards related to flexible cords, junction boxes, and fitting to, uh, fittings to exist. Not developing and implementing a noise monitoring system. Uh, da -da -da. So I do have some experience with tool and die shops. Uh, my father and brother were uh, journeymen. Uh, tool and die makers here. So, uh, and I hung out a lot in machine shops when I was growing up. We'll leave it at that. Uh, so, citation one, item one, it was a general duty clause violation. And it was almost $11,000 fine. What is a general duty clause? The uh, employer did not furnish employment in a place of employment which were free of recognized hazards that were causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm to employees in that employees were exposed to struck by hazards in case of forklift collision and tip over where seatbelt was not used. All right, so again, not wearing a seatbelt with a fork uh, and a forklift. I have, I, I, Give forklift training. I did a class this weekend in South Jersey, uh, Burlington, uh, to be exact. And sure enough, oh, do we have to wear seatbelts? Well, yeah, it says so on the thing. Number one, number two, you will get cited by OSHA for not doing it. Number three, if you do get into a collision, you're going to fall out. If you go in and you roll over, don't think that you're going to jump out of the freaking thing. It ain't going to happen, guys. You have the seatbelt on. Well, uh, I said, you want to see the, you want to see the movies? I, we could do uh, YouTube or we could do this other job site. I'm not on uh, these, this other site. I'm not going to mention. They actually have, you no, know, it's a snuff uh, movie, right? Uh, type thing where they're actually showing people getting crushed and killed and everything. Uh, and you want to do that? So here we have, uh, they apparently witnessed them 
doing this over on three occasions. I have a hard time believing that the citation officer did not mention this to them the first time and that they were they would just continue to do it because continuing doing this because you know there's going to be follow-up that's usually what a closing conference is for or that's why you're supposed to go around with the osha compliance officer to find out if what he or she is saying here right had you just a light there uh i don't know here among other, uh, uh, right, so now, because it's general duty clause violation, they have to go and they have to uh, uh, tell you uh, how to do this. Well, among other methods, one feasible and acceptable method to con- correct this hazardous condition would be to establish, implement, and enforce workplace procedures that to require forklift operators to use the powered industrial truck seat belts for all operations. Yeah. And number two, follow the requirements in the manufacturer's operation manual. Citation, $11,000. Citation one, item two. Remember, these are all... Right, these all could be uh, right. They're finding things differently now. Last this year, right? The employer did not ensure this is serious that the, that the place is clean. Housekeeping issues, seventy-eight hundred bucks. Citation one item three. No safety glasses. They found this on numerous occasions. $11,000 for a $2 pair of safety glasses. Really, really great. Citation one item uh, four. Gloves. Right? No gloves. Right? Uh, dealing with chemicals with no gloves. With pH levels of 13.4 to 13.9. Exposing employees to severe skin burns, severe eye damage, and irreversible damage 21 days after exposure and or permanent irreversible disabilities such as blindness. Guess what? They were probably using this based on this chemical. Uh, it was a cleaner. But often they use uh, some similar chemicals for uh, etching, right? Etching onto metals. All right. And this is uh, a person uh, of chemical burns, another one. Hand protection, well, that was cut by a metal shaving because when you cut metal on, let's say, a lathe, it comes out like in a spiral fashion, like a corkscrew often. And guess what? It's razor freaking sharp and it's red hot and it's full of oil, <laughs> you know? Again, $11,000 for that. Here we go. No warning tags, 11000 Another serious one. No lockout tagout procedures. Extensive. We're talking pages worth here. Another eleven thousand. More lockout tagout. Uh, no training. Lockout tagout. Now let's go on. So. Going on and on and on. Let me zip through here. Okay. Storage issues. 9,376. They were blocked exits. Right? Uh, 
I'm sorry, that was Vlock. That was blocked, interlocked, or limited in height so that it was stable and secure against some material improper storage. 9300 bucks. Uh, 1910 uh, No training on a forklift. $7,800. Uh, citation 1, item 13B. No training on the forklift. Howard Industrial Trucks found immediately repaired, defective, or in any way unsafe had not been taken out of service. 9300 bucks. It just goes on and on and on. Does anything else strike me? I mean, I don't know. I don't know the size of the company. They got a nice website, I'll say that. But chances are they did not have a full-time safety professional. Not really necessary. How about a trained regular person here? I, I, I mean, it goes on and it goes on. What's the total nip points? $405,586 on that one. And there's another one, too, for another facility that they have. Noise monitoring. So in construction, it's not a little bit loosey-goosey for noise, but for manufacturing... I mean, there's a lot going on there with that. And by the way, so on or about blah, 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 the employer did not develop and implement a monitoring program with noise levels equal with noise levels equal or exceeding the eight hour time weighted average from 85 decibels at 87.8 decibels. This condition employs employees, uh, expose employees to health uh, hazards such as hearing loss. So at 90 or above, you have to wear some type of hearing protection. You have to be between 85 and 90. You got to monitor it and try to, you know, use the hierarchy of controls, that sort of thing. That's my understanding of noise. Uh, so let, uh, let me uh, get this straight now. For OSHA to come in here and do this, all right, so uh, this happened... You know that you're on their Guvno list. You know that. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. Doesn't matter. So this inspection was in June. All right. The other inspections were in May. Wouldn't you have gone, maybe, and perhaps just thrown it out there? We're on the radar. Ding, ding, we're on the radar, right? And they're pinging you, right, with that. We're on the sonar. They, uh, and they're not going to say, well, maybe we should go and look at stuff and maybe blah, blah, blah. And then they, they're going to come in there. They're going to come in there. And uh, they're going to, and then they go out there and, uh, you know, uh, they're going to go in there and do a full day's air monitoring. Really? Really? I don't know. Now here have here we have a willful right citation two item to one at the second facility. The employer did not establish and maintain an automatic testing program as to, as provided by blah blah blah, right? On or about August 29th, and at times sorry here too, the employer did not maintain an audiometric testing program. The con- this condition, right? Blah blah blah. Exposed employees to health hazards such as hearing loss. So they did a 470-minute sampling period on 829, and another employee there 
Right now, it's $125,007. At a certain point, they were told to do this. With this. Here's another safety data. No, this is a mess. Someone's going to... I don't know. When they tell you to do something, it's probably a pretty good idea to do it. Just what I'm saying. Thank you. All right. What else do we have here? Okay. OSHA finds plant explosion that uh, killed one person could have been prevented. The Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration had found an explosion that killed one worker at a pharmaceutical chemical plant in Massachusetts could have been prevented. Uh, OSHA, and I was unable to find this yet. When I get details, I will uh, I will have them here, uh, right, uh, for this, right? Result, uh, it wasn't on the website yet. The results of the OSHA investigation announced that right, this, the main explosion as a sequence plant in Newport, Massachusetts killed a, per, a worker. Video show most of the roof torn off the building. Results of the OSHA investigation announced Thursday, this is from ABC News, found the company and its subsidiary lacked safeguards in the chemical making pro- uh, process. Sounds like a general duty uh, thing. The investigation found numerous deficiencies in the facility's safety management program for highly hazardous materials. Right? It also found the company did not uh, determine the combustibility hazards of materials used in production of the chemical blah, 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 and did not include safe hover and lower temperature limits to prevention of decomposition of de- Decon 139. So there is a process uh, uh, safety management standard under OSHA for highly hazardous materials. You're supposed to basically have plans for everything. And it goes in and it's very vertically integrative into your system. So when you go and you go and do upgrades and things of that nature, you're supposed to interview employees and everything else. And it's, I'm not saying that's what the problem here was. I'm just saying it's stuff like that. So it's very detailed and everything else. I'm actually surprised that this company actually was this because I know this to be a good company otherwise. The conditions found during the investigation led OSHA to cite both companies that were here Right, 11 violations, including eight serious ones. Uh, you, uh, what, what do we have? Process safety management standard, blah, blah, blah. Employer uh, uh, going on. The requirements of OSHA, so this is from Sarah Carl, OSHA's area director in Andover, Massachusetts. The requirements of OSHA's process safety management standard are stringent and comprehensive because failure to comply fully can have a severe or catastrophic impact on employees that in this case cost worker their life. Employers must rigorously complete uh, rigorously, completely and continuously scrutinize, update, and maintain each element of the process properly to identify and imo- minimize hazards and protect workers' safety and health. Right? And going on. So when we get more information, uh, we'll share it with you on this one, right? And what else do we have here? This is from uh, November 16th. This is from WSAV.com by, sorry, by Molly Curley. OSHA construction workers said that Hyundai site, Hyundai, right? 
Now I'm talking like I'm from Bayonne. Hyundai's site could have been prevented. The death of a construction worker at the Hyundai Meta Plant in Bryan County could have been prevented, safety investigators have determined. According to OSHA, investigators found that Eastern Constructors Incorporated failed to ensure workers were provided the proper equipment, fall protection equipment. Again, this past weekend, I was doing the training, right? We did uh, all, uh, 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 authorized user training under OSHA. You know, uh, I'm sorry, authorized user training under ANSI uh, for a client. Uh, again, I don't know. Uh, you know, what you end up having to do is you have to enforce the rules. There has to be someone there to enforce the rules. Unfor- I know we try to say, well, eliminate hierarchy of controls, this and that, but it, there's got to be someone there to enforce the rules and take the proverbial bull by the horns on all this stuff. And that seems to be what's lacking in a lot of these situations. And I do understand that accidents do happen and things happen at random. You can't really control for them. But often this is one of the ones that's like obvious, right? It's like a hole in the floor. I don't know what 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 this is. I'm not saying that's what happened here, but you know, OSHA has not released the citations here. This one was in the news in our uh, in uh, uh, last week in the New York area. Here, a 19 year old construction worker was fatally struck by, and this is from ABC News, by a. Uh, they have a picture of it here. It is a. Uh, MEWAP, yes. It is a aerial, what we used to call an aerial or boom lift, depending, and this was an articulating lift here. The victim was directing his father uh, through an intersection in the East Village shortly after 8.30 a.m. The son was uh, attempting to guide his father onto a flatbed truck through a busy intersection. The victim was then apparently run over by the lift operated by his father. Now, I don't know what, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be getting more uh, things here on this. And rest in peace to, and, you know, our, our condolences go out. Now, you're going to say, well, Jim, he ran himself over. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I know I'm hearing that from some of you folks out there. Now, I'm going to Google real quick here. And because there is a statistic here. Okay, so I am... It just comes to me. All right, so here we have... Uh, American, the uh, uh, this is from OSHA.gov, American Road and Transportation Builders Association, right? And they have a field guide here. Uh, let's see here. Construction equipment, here you go. And vehicles cause about one-third of all work zone fatalities. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, on average, 130 workers are killed and struck by incidents on roadway construction sites each year. All right. Now, spotters, now you're going to say, well, hey, uh, you know, if you've never spotted a piece of equipment here, let me explain it to you. It's very easy, right? You're watching the, uh, that equipment. You're watching. And this could be for an overhead hazard. Dude. You're watching it. You're going to focus up here. You're focused here. You're focused here. You're focused here. You're not necessarily focused on what's behind you, the spotter. This is what makes it very difficult. 
with this. And I run a statistic, please don't quote me on this. Something like 30 people die uh, from, like, or not, I'm sorry, th- uh, several hundred people get run over by the equipment they're uh, directing. This is a very common thing. This happens because their, fo- their attention is focused. They don't realize all the time that they're, these equipment, especially if you're dealing with a lull, uh, no, uh, class seven forklift or pit, right? Something like that. A lot of blind spots. So what happens is people start. They're out there and they get run over, and they get run over, and they direct it over themselves. So don't be so hard on the victim or even the operator here, which is his own father. Well, how could that happen? It could happen pretty easily. It almost happened to me, where people aren't paying attention, and when you're doing this, so. Uh, Something to really pay attention to. The uh, people don't realize the blind spots on any of this stuff. Where uh, here you go. Hold on. Um, you know it's. I mean, it, you know the spotters. I, I don't know. with that. Okay, that's fine. Here we have one. That's been in the news all weekend up here in the Northeast, right? The U.S. cannabis production industry's first reported occupational asthma that took the life of a worker in Massachusetts, according to OSHA. The woman, 27, was working in a cannabis cultivation processing facility when she experienced worsening work-related respiratory systems that ended in a fatal asthma attack in January 2022, officials said in a federal report published Thursday. Report states that allergic diseases such as asthma are a growing concern. And they have a link to the federal report. This was listed in... MMWR, right? Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. And they have a pretty, they use this as a case study. Uh, Basically, what is, I'm reading this real quick. I'm you know, probably good for a case study later on. Uh, but basically, the uh, woman no, uh, had a history of asthma and everything. And, it, and I mean, it gets to a point here. What do you do with that? Do you put the person in a respirator? If they have asthma, chances are they're not going to have a respirator, not going to be able to be fit for a respirator. Uh, what, what about some of the other things? How do you control for this? If you have someone who with breathing issues here with this, uh, you know, uh, what kind of safeguards are you going to have in place? Right? Let's not talk about PPE. This is one of the things where the woman had probably wouldn't wear, can wear a respirator. There had to be other controls here. And according to the report on CBS News, the report said the workers' death illustrates missed opportunities for prevention, including workplace exposures, medical surveillance, and treatment according to the current asthma guidelines. So this is another thing. Do you have someone at work with a pre-existing condition, and are you prepared for 
responding to that. We talk about this in our first aid CPR training, and and you can have you can have that training too. Eight four five two six nine five seven seven two, or uh, Jim at safetywords.com. All of this stuff here uh, with us. So I want to close all out with another. Uh, with another thing here, let's see if I could pull it up here. This is from last year. I think I did a podcast episode on this two years ago. The dangerous method for cooking your Thanksgiving turkey leads to $15 million in damages a year. Any guess on what that is? Any guess? Deep frying a turkey. I mean, some of these stories, I, I mean, you know, you're talking to a man who likes to watch Fail Army on Pluto TV, right? Uh, with this. Uh, so $15 million in day. I have an article in front of me, right? I, uh, and the insurance information, this reports that on Thanksgiving Day, each year, there are roughly a thousand home fryers, presumably from this. So, what are some of the safe ways of handling this? This is from the U.S. Fire Administration, uh, FEMA.gov. They have turkey fire fryer fire safety. Turkey fryer fire safety. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Frying food puts you at the greatest risk of cooking fires. Before you fry a turkey, review these steps. Turkey fryer, what I'm going to tell you to do is take the thing, put it in your driveway far away from everything else or in your backyard, way away from everywhere else. Make sure you have either a garden hose or a, uh, a better yet, fire extinguisher because I tell you what, the oil catches on fire. Throw water on it, you're going to have a bigger issue. So make sure you have an A, B, or C fire extinguisher with you. Type C, right, for chemicals, chemical, right, fire with that. All right. Turkey fryers can tip over easily, spilling hot cooking oil over a large area. Make sure your turkey fryer is on a sturdy, level surface and do not move it once it is in use. Right? Make sure it is at least 10 feet away from your home and not under roof roof eaves. An overfilled cooking pot will cause cooking oil to spill when the turkey is put in. So it's like the old displacement thing, right? You put the turkey in and it all splashes. Test the amount of oil you need by filling your fryer with water. Place the turkey in the pot. So you do you do a bench test on that, right? So you fill it up with water, you drop it in. Okay, I know I need this much oil, blah, blah, blah. A partially frozen turkey will cause cooking oil to splatter when you put it in the cooking pot. Make sure your turkey is fully thawed without frost on it before you fry it. Without thermostat control, sea fryers can overheat oil to the point of starting a fire. So make sure you have a thermostat. And make sure you have PPE, protective oven mitts, and they say you consider using an electric or air fryer. Air frying in turkey, I don't know how that would turn out, but I'm willing to think, you know, with that. So uh, that's something you can uh, consider that with that. A public service announcement from your team here at Safety Wars, right? We are a team. We got, okay, I don't have the hat on today. Don't know what the hell I did with that hat. But anyway, uh, do, do, do. Okay. 
what else we have here? Let me see how much time I have left on the stream here. Bear with me. Four minutes, 46 seconds till the end of the program. So uh, I'm going to go through one more commercial and then we might do the outro at the end of this. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. Okay, and uh, I think we're probably going to call it a wrap here uh, for this. I want to thank everybody for the continued support that I've gotten here on uh, Safety Wars. Okay, everybody, uh, have a great night. I will. Uh, I don't know if I'll be on the air tomorrow, uh, but uh, definitely I will be on the air on Wednesday. If uh, not, something happens. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, this week, hopefully you're enjoying it, and, uh, you know, uh, that's all I have to say. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. world. One voice rises above the chaos. 
Meet Jim Polzel, a seasoned safety expert who's navigated through some of the most dangerous scenarios from anthrax, explosive cleanups, disasters, and numerous environmental cleanups, and lived to tell the tale. Now, he's bringing his wealth of knowledge, insights, and experiences to you through Safety Wars. From workplace hazards to the hidden dangers in your own home, Jim covers it all. With his engaging storytelling and expert analysis, Safety Wars isn't just a podcast. It's your guide to a safer world. Join Jim Polzel and become part of the Safety Wars revolution. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Safety Wars, your safety is our mission.